understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello and welcome to episode number 26 of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, I'm your host, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. Be sure to subscribe, like, or favor this podcast so you can be up to date when our next episodes are released. Also join us on Twitter at Scumbags Canada, over on Instagram, Scumbags Wrestling, and on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, and our Facebook group, Scumbags of Wrestling. We talk about everything wrestling, from WWE, interesting moments where people mess up, and of course, Smash Wrestling. With your help, we can grow the group bigger and gain some sponsors to help make this program possible on a more weekly basis. On this week's episode, we'll look at the final card for the Canusa Classic happening at the London Comic Con on the weekend of October 26th to 28th. We'll look at the upcoming card for the free show at the Rec Room in Toronto tomorrow afternoon, and also tomorrow the a preview and predictions for Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. After that, it's on to the WWE, where we look at the Super Showdown from last weekend, along with the news of the week and the controversy surrounding the Saudi Arabia show on November 2nd. We'll be right back after this short message. Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October, and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Border City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario, 
and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of Smash Wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. Coming this October 26th to 28th at the Western Fair Agriplex, it's the 5th Annual London Comic Con, presented by Start.ca and London's Best Rock FM96. Scheduled to appear are former UFC champion and former WWE Intercontinental Hardcore and Tag Team Champion Ken Shamrock, the most dangerous man on the planet. You'll also see from Star Trek The Next Generation, Deanna Troy, Maria Sirtis from Buffy the Vampire Slayer Spike James Marsters The Yellow Power Ranger Serena Vincent Ted Raimi from Ash vs. Evil Dead and Xena Warrior Princess Star Wars Bounty Hunter himself Boba Fett Daniel Logan will appear plus many more names to be announced in the upcoming weeks it's a three-day celebration of art, comics, and pop culture with celebrity guests, vendors, and more. Don't miss Southwestern Ontario's largest fan event. Tickets are on sale now. For more information, go to londoncomiccon.ca. Yo, this is Tarek. You listen to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. This is your Smash Wrestling news update for this week. For those who heard our episode last week, you happened to hear there was like multiple breaking news as I was putting it together with the different editions and matches that were going on. Well, after I published the episode, there was still more that came out as it relates to the Canusa Classic. They finished putting up the rest of the card, and the list is as follows. Nevea will take on Jody Threat. Jordan Grace will face Lufisto. Allison Kay takes on Cat Power. The undefeated Vea Scott will face Xander Bale. Jessica Havoc will face Nicole Matthews. Tessa Blanchard faces Casey Spinelli, and Sue Young will face Allie. The Sue Young and Allie match is quite interesting, considering it is also going to happen this week on Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. It most likely won't happen, but it'd be interesting to see if Smash Wrestling was able to draw a connection between what happens at Bound for Glory into what's going to happen at the Canusa Classic. While all the matches are going to be amazing, my two favorite matches that I'm looking forward to seeing is Tessa Blanchard versus Casey Spinelli and the Sue Young versus Allie match. Just a reminder that the Canusa Classic happens on October 27th, 
during London Comic Con at the Western Fair Agriplex. Doors open at 5 p.m. with matches starting at 6 p.m. All these matches will be recorded for the upcoming broadcast of the Fight Network. The first four rows for the Canusa Classic are being sold as a special VIP ticket. However, if you have tickets to the London Comic Con, you automatically get general admission entry into the show. Scumbags Wrestling will have a section all to their own supporting the Canusa Classic, and we'd love for you to join us. Find out how you can join our area by contacting me through our Facebook group or emailing me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. I'll be there all weekend doing interviews and reporting on what's going on throughout the whole weekend, not just the Canusa Classic. I hope to have various talent dropping by and saying hello and just giving a little interview if possible that will be inserted into future broadcasts of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I'll be hanging around the wrestling zone all weekend long during London Comic Con and might take a break here and there to see all the other talents that are going to be on hand, including Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man and former Intercontinental Champion, plus Eric Arndt, formerly known as Enzo Amore, will be on hand. They'll both be signing autographs and taking photos with their fans. Not to be outdone, the ladies of the Canusa Classic will also be on hand taking photos and signing autographs. On Friday, the 26th of October, between 4.30 and 8.30, the women will be in the wrestling zone, and you'll be able to meet Sue Young, Jordan Grace, Cat Power, Veda Scott, Lufisto, and Nicole Matthews. Those same six ladies will return on Saturday between 10.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. before the Canusa Classic, signing autographs in the wrestle zone. On Sunday, October 28th, between 10.30 and 4 p.m., in the wrestle zone, Sue Young will still be around, and she'll be joined by Allison Kay to take photos and sign autographs. If you're listening to this podcast on a Saturday evening or before 4 o'clock on Sunday, there's still time for you to get your free ticket to Smash Wrestling's This Is Smash, a free show in honor of the great staff of Smash Wrestling. It happens at 5 p.m. at the Rec Room in Toronto, Doors open at 4 p.m. You'll see a 20-person rec room rumble for a future title shot. BCW Tag Team Champions will face off one-on-one as Brent Banks, one half of the Tag Team Champions of Smash Wrestling, faces BCW Tag Team Championship partner Aiden Prince. Kobe Durst faces John Greed. Sebastian Suave faces Joe Hendry. Halal Beefcake Renew their rivalry with the well-oiled machines in tag team action. Plus, follow from the last couple episodes of Smash Wrestling, the Buffalo Brothers, Puff, Daniel Garcia, and Kevin Blackwood will face the team of Killscreen, Scotty O'Shea and his two henchmen. And in the main event, the Pillars will face off against each other as Tyson Dukes one half of the tag team champions, challenges Tarek, the current Smash Wrestling champion, for the title. 
All this, as I said, happens at the rec room in Toronto at 5 p.m. Doors open at 4, and it's a free show, so don't miss it. And feel, feel free to give a donation, as all money raised during the event will be donated to the great staff of Smash Wrestling as a thank you for all their great service. And this has been your Smash Wrestling news update for this week. Earlier today, Cody Diener made an announcement regarding this month's Giver for Charity campaign. Together, we can stop bullying. For many months, he's been partnered with the Fear the Fighter and sold their merchandise with portions of the proceeds going towards putting bullying kids in self-defense classes. He's now decided to take it up a notch. October is National Bullying Prevention Month, and so throughout the month of October, he's decided that Giver for Charity will be raising funds for this cause, and 100% of the proceeds he raises goes to the campaign towards putting bully kids in classes. He's told numerous heartbreaking stories from parents about what their kids have gone through on a daily basis. With this money, he'll be funding quality gyms for those kids in areas and putting them into uh, programs for children. He will personally be picking kids who he has met and heard stories about. This one hits home for him, and he's ready to take fight and go for it. To learn more about the Giver for Charity and how you can help, visit CodyDiener.com slash charity. Let's not just give her, guys. Let's give her for charity. We here at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast definitely love to support Cody and his efforts. And this is an awesome charity to go for because I'm sure many of us in our lives as kids were bullied at one time. So with that said... We're going to go for our raffle again with the t-shirt that we were raffling on April 29th after the Smash Wrestling event. It has been signed by all the stars that appeared on that card here in London, and we'll be uh, giving more details with that as the time goes on.
This Sunday night, from New York, comes Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. They've had a lot of uh, upswing in their momentum for action as things have improved since Slammiversary. I was able to attend an Impact taping at the Rebel in Toronto, and some of the action that's going to be seen tomorrow night during Bound for Glory as a result of some of the activity that happened during that taping. Ever since Scott Demore and Don Callis took over the creative direction of Impact Wrestling, things have improved vastly since the last regime. If the action that we saw on their last pay-per-view, Slammiversary, was any indication of what to expect tomorrow night during Bound for Glory, tomorrow's show should be a Amazing outing for the company. So right now, here's a preview and my predictions for what's going to happen at Bound for Glory. Hey yo, this city, our city, New York, New York, from money making Manhattan to BK to QU to Shaolin to the boogie down and all the way back around. It was announced that Allie will venture into the undead realm to try and rescue Kira Hogan, who was recently put into a coffin by 
Su Young and the Undead Brides. In recent time, Su Young has been going after her opponents and throwing them into coffins. Allie was one of those uh, women that was thrown into a coffin and apparently sold her soul to James Mitchell and the devil to get out of the undead realm and rejoin the regular world. Unfortunately, Sue Young was able to get Kira Hogan and throw her into a coffin, as Kira has looked up to Allie for all these weeks. Allie has felt responsible for that happening to her and wants to go rescue her friend slash protege. Allie has made another deal with James Mitchell and he has agreed to meet her with her on Sunday to open up a coffin with access to the undead realm. Allie's goal, obviously, is to get into the area and find and rescue Kira Hogan and bring her back to the regular world as we know it. This seems like it's an attempt to try and recreate and regain that magic that Matt Hardy brought to Impact, but in this case they're going to do it with the women and sort of a broken universe and a Bray Wyatt sort of feel to it where unfortunately they don't have Jeremy Borash like Matt Hardy did. So I wish them the best. I hope it does uh, come through. I'm not sure if this is going to be an actual match or just more of a uh, Halloween sort of uh, skit and segment where Allie will ultimately rescue her friend Kira and maybe even reclaim her soul somehow from James Mitchell. I definitely do like all the ladies who are involved, including the Undead Brides and Sue Young. So if they've taken their time to script this out properly and come up with all the special effects needed to pull this off in a great way, who knows, maybe they'll even uh, have invaded a haunted hayride area somewhere here in Ontario or New York area to pull off this match or encounter, shall I say. Regardless of it being a match or just a visual skit outcome, we will be seeing, actually, Ali and Sue Young in action against each other in an actual match at the Canusa Classic on the 27th. So either way, this should be entertaining. Welcome back to Impact Wrestling. I'm bringing in my guest at this time, Eli Drake. And Eli, last week we saw you issue yet another open challenge, but unfortunately, you were defeated by the legendary LaParca by Count What were you watching? Because last I checked, LaParca came in with a chair. He introduced it. He gets disqualified. That's one, one second. You brought in the chair, though. You don't understand. Let me talk to you. Yeah, LaParca brings in the chair. He got disqualified is what happened. Why? Because I make the rules. I don't have to break the rules when I make the rules, right? Right. So here I stand, mowing down every bit of competition, whether it's Mexico, whether it's America, whether it's Canada. And guess where we're going next? East Coast Challenge, dummies, because you can't think for one second that this man is not going to show up at the biggest show of the year, Bound for Glory. Oh, yeah. Got a little something special for you. I got a challenge. Anybody out there in New York, you have to be from New York. If you're not from there, sorry, dummy, you don't qualify. And you know why? Because if you can make it there, you can 
make it anywhere, right? Wrong, because you're looking into the eyes of Eli Drake, and all it takes is all you got, but all you got ain't enough to buy you a ticket on that gravy train, dummy, and that's not an insult, that is just a fact of life. Bound for glory, dummies. Yeah, hope and chow. There you have it. Eli Drake will be in New York for Bound for Glory. Last year at Bound for Glory, Eli Drake was the champion going into the event. This year, unfortunately, he is not the champion and didn't have a match going in. So, ever the guy to make his own opportunities and things happen, Eli issued a open challenge to anybody in the New York area to come and meet him in the middle of the ring at Bound for Glory. There are a lot of New York-based guys in wrestling, so it's just a question of who will actually answer the challenge. Will it be somebody like Tommy Dreamer? A returning Bully Ray? Somebody new, like a Brian Pillman Jr.? A returner like Low Key? Or is this the actual opportunity that Chris Jericho actually steps into an impact ring? Surprisingly enough, I think Jericho has reached a point that his loyalty to Vince McMahon has kind of wavered a slight bit, hence why he showed up at All In at the beginning of September when he said he'd never make an appearance on a wrestling show that was based in North America in honor and respect for his relationship with Vince. Times change, and he does have a great relationship with Don Callis and... Scott Demore, so anything is possible. Plus, it is getting close to the Jericho cruise coming up at the end of the month. So, there's been a lot of teasing on commentary about it being Jericho eventually showing up. They've made reference to Jericho over the last couple weeks of commentary. Some of the guys have called him out, including Sammy Callahan. And, yeah, it's Bound to happen, unfortunately, for fans of, well, I don't know, like his definite relationship with WWE. So, with that said, I'm picking Chris Jericho to actually show up at Bound for Glory and not appear later on this week at SmackDown 1000. And if it is Jericho... Regardless of who it is, also, that person will beat Eli Drake in the Open Challenge. Moose will take on Eddie Edwards. I was actually at the taping where Moose turned on Eddie. They had been friends, and they teamed together and did stuff at Slammiversary. But then Moose ended up turning on Eddie Edwards at the uh, impact taping in Toronto and sided with the current champion, Austin Aries. Eddie will be bringing Kenny the kendo stick with him as his defense against any extra interference from maybe Killer Cross or even Austin Aries. Edwards has been kind of unstoppable since adopting this new hardcore style and getting the blessing from Tommy Dreamer 
to continue with this sort of style. And even though Moose turned on him, this is just going to be a blip in the road of Edwards going after Austin Aries. Aries knows that Edwards is hungry and wants that title, and he's throwing whoever he can in the way to avoid meeting Edwards one-on-one. In the long run, I do see Edwards winning this match, even if it is with some shenanigans and outside interference. Tessa Blanchard will be defending her Knockouts Women's Championship against Taya Valkyrie. The big story going into this match is whether or not Valkyrie will relieve Tessa of the title. And then at the end of the night, if Johnny Impact will capture the title from Austin Aries. If that all does happen, then it'll be a remarkable feat with the men's and women's title being held by a husband and wife duo. Personally, myself, I have not been impressed at all by Taya Valkyrie. And obviously, I'm very impressed by Tessa Blanchard, as I've also met her at uh, the Smash Wrestling event in Toronto at Super Showdown. There's just so much upswing right now as at the same time for Tessa Blanchard. She seems to be everywhere, and not just at Impact. She's at Smash Wrestling. She's doing stuff with Destiny. She does a bunch of different organizations in the States when she's not at Impact, which she signed a long-term deal with. While not signing with WWE, she has been open to going everywhere, and everywhere she goes, she seems to be leaving her mark, winning championships, and establishing that dominance of a female in the wrestling industry, even though she's only 23 years old and she appeared at all in and was part of that, like taking the title off her right now or her dropping it doesn't seem possible. And with that said, I definitely do not see the husband wife holding the title, uh, prophecy coming to fruition and I definitely see Tessa Blanchard retaining the women's knockout uh, championship and moving forward plus then we'll uh, see if she brings it with her to London Comic Con and the Canusa Classic at the end of the month This Sunday Night Live in New York City as Comda.com presents Bound for Glory from the sold-out Melrose Ballroom. We will see a concrete jungle death match between the OGs and King and LAX and Conan. Conan competing for the first time in years. And what's going to happen Sunday is the padding's going to come off of the ring. The canvas will come off, the padding will come off, and these six men will fight right here on exposed boards. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be a match unlike anything we've ever seen before. The ropes will stay on, but the turnbuckle will come off. So you can see what's underneath here. It's literally just a turnbuckle. It's an exposed steel 
pull. And that's what's going to be there on Sunday when these turnbuckles come off. The canvas comes off. The padding. I mean, look at this. This padding. This is what you're used to seeing. This will be gone. And these men are going to compete right here on the exposed boards. The only way to win pinfall or submissions. There are no rules in the concrete jungle death match when the OGs meet LAX live this Sunday. The only way that you can see it because we are sold out is exclusively on pay-per-view. You can go to impactwrestling.com. You can stream right from Fight TV or you can watch on traditional pay-per-view. But it is going to be a must-see, can't-miss match when the OGs and the LAX compete in the Concrete Jungle Deathmatch Sunday. It all ends where it started in New York City. And what is probably going to be the most violent match of the night? Kind of surprising considering there's an OV E match as well. There's going to be a Concrete Jungle Deathmatch featuring LAX versus the OGs. If what these two teams did at Slammiversary is any indication of what we're going to see when it becomes a six-man tag action, including Conan and Cash, these guys are going to be unstoppable. Just the storylines being built to fuel this fire as it's been continued since way before even Slammiversary has been almost a little reminiscent of Lucha Underground and how they've had some behind-the-scenes little storylines going on and a child hit by a car. These guys are going to go all out, and it's going to be a bloody affair, I think. And who knows? Like Honestly, I think the OGs have been really good in their time back in Impact, but it's time for the younger guys to step up. And personally, i love to see maybe even a double switch or double flip, whatever, in roles where maybe Conan sides with the OGs and Cash ends up going and siding with the new LAX guys. And you got the younger guys retaining the title and being that new fresh look for Impact Wrestling. And the OGs fade off and eventually leave. But either way, this ending to this feud hopefully happens at Bound for Glory. And I can only imagine what will happen to end this fight between the two groups. Either way, I do see LAX winning and retaining the tag team championships. Counter! 
There will be an OVE rules match as OVE takes on the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, and Phoenix, along with their tag team partner, the X-Division champion, Brian Cage. That partnership also seemed to start at the Impact taping I was at this past summer at the Rebel. Brian Cage is a beast, to say the least, and all the things he can do for a man his size and when he took on Phoenix at the Impact taping, that was an incredible match. And now they're teaming together to be with Pentagon, who had one of the best matches at Slammiversary against Sammy Callahan. And then Sammy has the Crease uh, Brothers with him. I just wonder which match is going to go on first, whether it will be this OVE rules match or the concrete jungle match. Because whichever one goes on second is going to have a hard act to follow. But they will up the ante in it. And there'll be just more more violence than the previous match. And considering all 12 men that are involved between the two matches. How you up the stakes is beyond me. Um... Sammy Callahan has definitely been sort of like in the same case as I said with Tessa Blanchard all over the place with being away from NXT and WWE. He has made quite the name for himself and has gone to every independent organization, including Smash Wrestling, Destiny, and Impact Wrestling and always up the bar each time he steps into the ring and for him not to be in a title contention at this moment speaks volumes for maybe what's going on in the championship realm where he's not involved or neither is Pentagon. But at the same time, there's not going to be much stopping Sammy Callahan and they need to end this feud, this blood war, literally blood war with the Lucha Brothers. Where does it go from here? Well, you could have OVE winning and Sammy Callahan being advanced to the heavyweight title pitcher and the brothers going after the tag titles. Then there's also the whole X Division uh, champion with Brian Cage. He's not even defending the title in a division that was and should still be a highlight for Impact Wrestling that could produce a factor of having Brian Cage and Pentagon against each other for the X Division title in the future. So I'm going to say OVE win the match and everybody branches off just like I just ended up saying. And yeah, there's a bright future for all of them. It's just going to be whose match is first on determining how violent the match is going to be. They're going to need a 
fun match to just to bring everything back down to earth after all the violence that's going to happen with uh, those six-man tag team matches. And so there's going to be Matt Seidel teaming with Ethan Page to take on Rich Swan and what was his mystery partner has been revealed as Willie Mack. Willie Mack was recently in contention for the NWA Championship. He has quite the personality, and seeing Mack and Swan together will be a fun duo. And to go against Matt Seidel and Ethan Page, who are great high flyers and technicians themselves, it'll be a fun match. I hope it is a little bit later in the card and can help reset things before the main event. That's why I'm putting it at this point in my predictions. Um, yeah, with that said, I think Rich Swan and Willie Mack will end up taking that match. And yeah, just a good fun match. The main event will see Austin Aries defend his Impact Championship against Johnny Impact. Since leaving WWE, Austin Aries has uh, tried his best to shed that 205 Live stigma that he felt he had and has become quite the belt collector in different organizations over the last while. Johnny Impact, as we know, has been all over the place himself, wrestling in Lucha Underground for the last while as Johnny Mundo. He's currently on CBS's and Global TV's Survivor, David vs. Goliath, and is on the Goliath team. He has a lot of outside projects in the go, including a upcoming movie on Netflix, but he's known all over the place right now and could be a great way of advertising Impact Wrestling if he's making the different circuits, especially with his current run on Survivor. 
what better way than to have the Impact Wrestling Champion show up on whether it's Entertainment Tonight or The Talk or whatever show it is on CBS if and when it comes time for him to be eliminated from Survivor. Austin Aries just recently posted that he's put on 10 pounds just to try and bulk up and be able to face Johnny Impact with hopefully heightened success. I think these two will work amazingly off each other and put on a great main event for Bound for Glory. But as I mentioned earlier with the whole Eddie Edwards match, Edwards could get involved and cost Aries the title and have Impact win it. This would continue the feud with Eddie Edwards and Austin Aries as Edwards could cost Aries the title. And where it goes from there for Johnny Impact, who knows, but he could be the new Impact Wrestling Champion and, as I said, make the different appearances on different interviews, holding that title and giving a spotlight on Impact, especially with them moving to 10 o'clock on Pop TV in the coming weeks. Having the title in a mainstream setting definitely would put a spotlight on them and hopefully help them continue growing. So my pick for this is to see Johnny Impact win the title. So there you have it. Those are my Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory pay-per-view predictions and preview that will happen tomorrow night on pay-per-view from New York. Share with me what your predictions are for the night and follow along on our Facebook page. I see you have a lot of things happening at Slammiversary that might have impact, no pun intended, on the Chris Jericho cruise that's going to happen October 27th to 31st on Norwegian Jade, which is actually a lovely ship that my wife and I took for our honeymoon five years ago in the Mediterranean. So all those who are going to the Chris Jericho cruise have a very lovely ship to be apart and sailing. They'll be departing from Miami and going to Nassau, Bahamas on this cruise. Ring of Honor will have a Sea of Honor tournament featuring Jay Lethal versus B.J. Whitmer, Christopher Daniels versus Delirious, Marty Skrull versus Rhett Titus, Silas Young versus Flip Gordon, Mark Briscoe versus Will Ferreira, Adam Page versus Kazarian, Cheeseburger versus Beer City Bruiser, and Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King, all happening in the first round of the tournament. DDP will also be on the ship doing his DDPY yoga sessions. Pat Patterson and Marty Skrull will be hosting karaoke sessions during the cruise. There will be tons of meet and greets with all the talent on hand. Kenny Omega will be having a Omega Street Fighter Invitational where 32 cruisers will get a chance to compete in the tournament of Street Fighter to meet him in the finals. 
The cruise will have wrestling trivia with teams of four to six people winning great prizes, plus a super show game show. Chris Jericho will also be hosting his Jericho podcast, Remembering Eddie Guerrero, with Rey Mysterio, Conan, and TDP. For the first time ever, it'll be Ring of Honor versus Impact. The groundbreaking event could only happen on the ship of Jericho, and their first matchup that has been announced is Sammy Callahan versus Marty Skrull. More matches to be announced as it gets closer to the ship launch. But the main event of the whole cruise will be a one-time-only Alpha Club, Nick and Matt Jackson, and Chris Jericho taking on the Bullet Club of Kenny Omega, Marty Skrull, and Cody. Hey, this is Chris Jericho, and ever since Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea was announced, I get asked the same thing every day. Will this be available for streaming? Can I see this event if I'm not going to be on the cruise? And then, once the biggest main event of the year was announced, the Alpha Club versus the Bullet Club, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson, versus Kenny Omega, Cody, and Marty Skrull, people are asking, can I see this big main event? Can I see this match if I'm not going to be on the cruise? And the answer now, after months of planning, probing, and pondering, is yes! You can see the Alpha Club versus the Bullet Club. You can see the entire Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament, Saturday, November 3rd, 8 p.m. on Fight TV, exclusively. Pre-order now and be a part of history. If you can't make it on the cruise, you can still be a part of the entire event. Fight TV, November 3rd. Check it out. Hey, wrestling fans and scumbags, it's time to support Cody Diener and his Gear for Charity event. October is National Bully Prevention Month, and he's been partnered with Fear the Fighter and sold their merchandise with proceeds going to their campaign to bully kids in self-defense classes. He's personally going to pick these kids as he's heard stories from their parents and going to help them fight back. We here at the Scumbags Wrestling always enjoy helping out Cody whenever we can, and this month is no different. We're going to be selling the raffle tickets again for the shirt that was autographed at the April 29th Smash Wrestling event at the London Music Hall. It was signed by all the talent that were on hand, and we're going to raffle that off and do the draw on October 28th at the end of London Comic Con. Tickets are just three for five dollars or ten for ten dollars and you can uh, reach out to me at the scumbags wrestling website at scumbags.ca over on our facebook page or email me at scumbags wrestling at gmail.com all tickets sold and 100 percent of the proceeds are going to go to cody diener and his giver for charity event let's help national bully prevention month and get these kids the help they need. I'm sure all of us at one point or another have been bullied or know somebody who has been. So get your tickets today and support Cody Diener and this great cause.
Hey guys, we're looking to make a big splash at the Canusa Classic happening during London Comic Con. Show your uh, scumbag colors by going to twistedmerch.com where Twisted Tees is going to be selling our t-shirts. You can get the original Scumbags of Wrestling logo shirt based off the WWF Superstars of Wrestling logo. There's also the Scumbags of Wrestling Raw is War inspired logo. Plus, brand new to the collection is our Scumbags of Wrestling podcast logo based on the Survivor Series. Get your t-shirts now for $25. If you order directly through me, I'll save you the shipping and handling, and I'll donate some of the uh, proceeds to Cody Deaner's latest Giver for Charity event. So be sure to get your t-shirts in time for Comic-Con during October 26th to 28th. Go to Twisted Tees at twistedmerch.com. Support the Scumbags of Wrestling, support this podcast, and support Cody Diener's Gear for Charity. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Last Saturday, October 6th, if you were up at 5 o'clock in the morning, you could turn on the WWE Network and find Super Showdown coming to you from Australia. As most people assumed and predicted, it was just basically a glorified house show for Australia with over 70,000 people in attendance. There were a few highlights that came out of it, but in general, it was just, as I said a moment ago, a house show with very lackluster matches. The card started off with New Day, represented by Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, defending the SmackDown Championships against Cesaro and Sheamus, the bar. In the end, Kingston and Woods performed a backstabber and double stomp combination to Cesaro to retain the titles. Next was Becky Lynch, defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. In the air, and Flair applied the figure eight leg lock on Becky, but Becky was able to grab her title as she had attempted earlier to walk out and leave the match and had her belt in hand. The belt was then on the mat, and while she was being put into the figure eight, Becky was able to reach the belt and use it to hit Charlotte with as a weapon and be disqualified. After the match, Becky continued to attack Charlotte, which led to a rematch happening this week on SmackDown. John Cena and Bobby Lashley, who was without Leo Rush because he didn't make the trip, faced off against Kevin Owens and Elias. The biggest thing that everybody was worried about or focused on was the growth of John Cena's hair. He looked like a uh, second coming of JBL or Mark Wahlberg. Basically, if Mark Wahlberg and JBL had a love child, John Cena with hair is a product. The match was basically a handicap match with Owens and Elias dominating Lashley. Eventually, Cena did tag in and performed his five moves of doom plus his sixth move of doom, the atomic 
punch or whatever they want to call it, or the thunder punch, should I say, on Elias, and he won the match. Cena didn't take a single bump and then thanked the audience for being there during that night. The fourth match of the night saw the hometown talents of the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, return home to face Asuka and Naomi. Billy Kay attacked Naomi, and Royce pinned her to get the victory, which was a little surprising considering how WD liked to treat the hometown heroes as they come home. And it kind of made it odd, wondering what was going to happen later on when Melbourne's own Buddy Murphy competed in his match for a championship. The next match saw AJ Styles defend the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe in a no-count, no-disqualification match. Before the match began, Styles and Joe fought on the entrance ramp. It went back and forth between both combatants until it got back to the ring. Styles performed a moonsault and a reverse DDT on Joe for a near fall. Joe performed a clothesline on Styles for another near fall. Joe attempted to attack Styles with a chair, only for Styles to counter Joe with a dropkick and attack Joe with the chair himself. Styles attempted to another attack. However, Joe performed a Yurinagi on Styles onto a chair for another near fall. Joe attempted an inverted DDT through the table on Styles, but Styles converted and put Joe through the table instead. Samoa Joe applied the Coquina Clutch on AJ, but AJ escaped that too. AJ finally performed a 450 splash run to Joe and then a phenomenal forearm off the barricade. AJ attempted a second uh, phenomenal forearm on Joe, only for Joe to counter it into the Coquina Clutch. In the end, Styles forced Joe to tap out to the calf crusher to retain the title. Like I said in my predictions, I was kind of confused on how that could possibly be the finisher since, you know, AJ Styles is now beating everybody in his path. He took out Shinsuke Nakamura in a lackluster feud. Now, all this that's happened with Samoa Joe has kind of, in my eyes, unfortunately diminished Joe to, you know, he should have gotten the big one by this time. And where does he go from here? Who knows? Where does AJ go from here is also a big question, even though we know that he'll defend the title at Crown Jewel against the winner of the number one contenders match. The sixth match on the card saw the Riot Squad, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan face Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins, Nikki and Brie. In the end, Rousey applied a double arm bar to both Morgan and Logan, which caused them both to submit and win the match. After all was said and done, the three ladies hugged each other and celebrated their victory in front of the Australian crowd. Myself, I would have preferred this be the moment where the Bellas turned on Ronda instead of waiting till Monday to do the exact same match pretty much all over again but do it on network TV instead of on the WWE network at a very early morning. But 
I think that would have been a better option because that would put people wanting to go to the network to see what actually happened, especially if they didn't get up at 5 a.m. to see the whole card. Cedric Alexander defended the WWE Cruiserweight Championship against hometown hero Buddy Murphy. Murphy went on an attack early and tried to finish the match very quickly. Later, Alexander performed a Mishinuku driver and a lumbar check for a near fall, but the climax saw Buddy Murphy perform Murphy's Law on Alexander to win the title in front of his hometown family and friends. In a very hard-hitting and fast-paced match, the shield of Demian Rose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns fought Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre, the Dogs of War. The Shield tried to put Strowman through the announce table with a triple powerbomb right off the start. However, they were intercepted by Ziggler and McIntyre. In the end, as Reigns attempted to perform a Superman punch on McIntyre, Reigns ended up accidentally hitting Dean. The Shield tried for a triple powerbomb on McIntyre, but Strowman tackled them. The finish came when Ambrose performed dirty deeds on Ziggler to get the win for his team. And the final match before the main event was The Miz taking on Daniel Bryan in a number one contenders match for the WWE Championship. Miz performed a running knee on Daniel Bryan for a near fall. As Miz was trying for a skull-crushing finale, Bryan reversed it into a small package to win the match. In very short time, it was just over two minutes, I'd say, if I was actually timing it. Following this, it was announced that Brian would receive his WWE Championship match against AJ Styles at Crown Jewel. In the main event, The Undertaker, accompanied by his brother Kane, faced off against Triple H, accompanied by Shawn Michaels. Prior to the match, it was announced that the match would be in no disqualification. In the the match, The Undertaker had Michaels positioned in a tombstone power driver. Triple H attacks Undertaker with a sledgehammer, and Michaels hit sweet chin music on Undertaker, and Triple H got the pedigree on Taker to win the match. In the end, Taker looked really beat down from everything and was somewhat looking like a shell of the man that everybody looks up to as a legend. After the match, Triple H and Shawn Michaels held Undertaker to his feet. Kane, who had previously been put through a table midway through the match, entered the ring, and all four men showed mutual respect for each other, shaking hands and raising each other's arms as they faced all four sides of the ring and celebrated with the fans. However, that didn't last too long. As they began to depart, Undertaker and Kane looked at each other and then looked at DX and attacked. Triple H got a tombstone pile driver for his efforts, and then the Brothers of Destruction took Sean to the outside and put him through the announcer's table. The Brothers of Destruction then left the ringside area and posed at the top of the ramp to end the show. So with the exception of a few bright moments, that being the cruiserweight championship match with buddy murphy and cedric alexander along with the world title match of aj styles and samoa joe the rest of the card seemed rather lackluster and 
I was very confused by the two-minute match of Daniel Bryan and Miz, considering everything they'd gone through. A number one contenders match should have had a lot more oomph to it. I'm wondering if somebody was injured during going into it and needed to go quickly, or they were strained for time and the main event wanted more time or wanted all their time uh, to be a part of it. And that 27 minutes that they had should have been actually like 12 minutes because it was very plodding and I don't know. It didn't do much for their reputation. And just to now know that at Crown Jewel, DX will reunite as very much predicted weeks going into this uh, show. And they will reunite to face off with the Brothers of Destruction in Saudi Arabia. The rest of the card was very pedestrian and house show-ish. And... Hey, great that WD was able to get all that money from the Australian government to uh, put on this show or whoever paid them to do it. And I hope the fans of Australia enjoyed their show, but I'm not sure if it was really worth waking up at 5 a.m. for, except for the fact that I got to see it live and avoided all the spoilers that would come along with getting it at a later time. What WD lacked in giving us on Super Showdown on Saturday, they made up for on Monday and Tuesday with Raw and SmackDown. Both shows were on the road to Crown Jewel and Evolution at the same time. Monday started off with Triple H and Shawn Michaels stating that Shawn was coming out of retirement and reforming DX, including new shirts, to face off against their brothers of destruction at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia on November 2nd. They said they they lost a lot of respect for Kane and Undertaker after the attack that they did at the end of Super Showdown. As for the World Cup tournament, John Cena was announced as an automatic entry representing Raw. Baron Corbin took the opportunity to insert himself as one of the participants in a over-the-top battle royal to get another spot at Crown Jewel in the tournament. He had a ring full of enhancement talent, including Halal Beefcake's own Ibris Abraham, plus Conquistador number 17, or whatever number he wanted to be, plus a arraignment of other gentlemen who were representing different countries, because this was supposed to be for a World Cup tournament. When the match started, everybody attacked Baron Corbin, and Baron was able to defeat them all, except for the fact that the Conquistador had snuck out of the ring and stayed out during the whole match. He entered the ring and dumped Baron Corbin over the top rope, only to reveal himself later as the returning Kurt Angle, who was still supposed to be on vacation. So now Kurt Angle and John Cena are part of the World Cup tournament over on the Raw side. WWE may have pulled off a double turn also as Leo Rush, who was getting information and his lines fed to him by Vince McMahon through his earpiece, helped make Bobby Lashley into a heel as they attacked and destroyed Kevin Owens, who the fans were cheering loudly for during the whole match, 
So, depending on how things go, we might have just seen a double turn with Lashley turning heel and Owens turning face. But we won't know for sure where Owens stands, as he is now out for four to eight months with knee surgery pending. The Shield had a rematch against the Dogs of War at the end of Raw with the Shield losing this time, and Dean Ambrose walked out at the end of the night, leaving Roman and Seth in the ring, staring at each other in bewilderment. Where this leads to, who knows? They've already been sort of hinting at dissension and a breakup of the Shield, and where is Dean Ambrose's head right now? We'll find out, hopefully this Monday, on Raw. Over on the women's side of things, with the build-up to Evolution, Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins had a rematch against the Riot Squad from Super Showdown on Monday Night Raw. Once again, Ronda won the match, and Bella Twins celebrated with her, only to then attack her and beat her down. It was later announced that Ronda will defend the Raw Women's Championship against Nikki Bella at Evolution at the end of the month on October 28th. Trish Stratus also made a special Raw appearance to help build up her match with Alexa Bliss at Evolution. Alexa came out with Mickey James and came down to the ring and then turned into a announcement that the two singles matches that we had heard about will now be a tag team match as the besties, Trish Stratus and Lita, who came out to be by Trish's side, will now team together to go against the team of Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. Over on SmackDown, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan were gifts on the Miz TV as Miz tried to create some dissension, leading into their championship match thanks to Daniel Bryan winning the number one contendership over the Miz at Super Showdown. In one of the better matches of the week, AJ Styles also took on and defeated Shelton Benjamin. Jeff Hardy faced Samoa Joe for a spot in the World Cup, and Jeff advanced as the referee stopped the match. Randy Orton defeated a returning Big Show for his spot on the World Cup tournament bracket. And the Super Showdown rematch between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair ended in a countout and brawl all over the arena with Charlotte spearing Becky through the LED board at the top of the ramp, almost like how Jericho got speared or gored by Rhino almost 20 years ago in the same set. Page later made an announcement that at Evolution, there will be the first time ever a women's last woman standing match as Becky defends her title against Charlotte at Evolution. With only a few weeks left, hopefully they'll uh, quickly get the rest of the cards put together for the two events that they're putting together. With Kevin Owens now on the sideline, Bobby Roode has replaced him on the Mixed Match Challenge team with Natalia. Sasha Banks is still out with possibly an injury, or she's requested time off. Nobody's quite sure what's going on with her, but hopefully, in her case, she's back before Evolution because 
to have this major pay-per-view involving all the women and not have the boss on it, there's definitely something wrong. Hopefully she will be back in time for that. Also, one of the best matches that you should check out was NXT this past week, as there was a three-way with Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and Adam Cole. If you have even a spare half hour of your time, go out of your way to find this match and watch it. Speaking of NXT, it was announced that this Wednesday on the WWE Network at 8pm in the UK, which would be about 3 o'clock, I believe, our time here in uh, Canada, that NXT UK will make its network debut. That definitely loads up our Wednesday viewing as NXT UK will be available to us here in Canada, in Ontario for that matter, at 3 p.m. Plus then, at 7 o'clock, will be 205 Live, 8 o'clock, NXT US, and the Mae Young Classic, all happening on Wednesdays. This Tuesday is the 1,000th episode of SmackDown, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Confirmed names include The Undertaker, Kane, Evolution, Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and the returning Batista, Vicky Guerrero, Michelle McCool, Tori Wilson. Edge will return to host The Cutting Edge. Rey Mysterio is returning and will face... United States Champion Shinsuke Nakamura in a World Cup Tournament Qualifier. Other rumored names to make an appearance are Christian, Chris Jericho, and The Rock. That happens this Tuesday at 8pm on SmackDown. On Sunday, 
October 28th, from Uniondale, New York, comes WWE Evolution, an all-women's pay-per-view. It'll feature women from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and legends from the past, with over 50 women participating in this event, according to Stephanie McMahon. Already scheduled to happen, the two singles matches that were already announced, featuring Trish Stratus and Lita, have now been combined and will now be a tag team, as the besties, Trish and Lita, will team together to face the team of Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. The finals of the Mae Young Classic will happen. This Wednesday, NXT UK will premiere, and we should hopefully find out what will happen with the NXT women's title. Carrie Zane will defend the NXT championship against former champion Shayna Baszler in a Mae Young Classic final rematch from last year. And after the vicious attack from the Bella Twins, Ronda Rousey will defend her Raw Women's Championship against Nikki Bella. In the first ever last woman standing match, Charlotte Flair will challenge Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship. All this and more scheduled to happen at WWE Evolution October 28th on the WWE Network. Then on November 2nd, pending any development changes in the relationship between WWE and Saudi Arabia, WWE presents Crown Jewel. The Universal Championship will be on the line as Roman Reigns defends it in a triple threat match against the Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, and the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. AJ Styles will defend the WWE Championship against Daniel Bryan, who beat The Miz at Super Showdown to become the number one contender. As seen on Super Showdown and Raw after being heavily rumored for months, Shy Michaels will come out of retirement after eight years and reform DX with Triple H to face the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker, and Kane. Plus, there'll be a World Cup tournament that will feature eight superstars, four from Raw and four from SmackDown, in a single elimination tournament to determine the best in the world. Already qualified are John Cena, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, and Kurt Angle. This will happen on Friday, November 2nd, from Saudi Arabia. Exclusively on the WWE Network. The WWE find them in themselves in quite the predicament as it relates to their relationship with the Saudi Arabia government and the prince, along with their deals to bring in events over the next 10 years and this is just on the horizon of their second event that is supposed to happen on november 2nd called crown jewel the controversy comes with the current worldwide news is spreading about a reporter that apparently went back to saudi arabia and he has said some disparaging things about the government and not supporting the prince and everything that is happening right now. And apparently he was at a consulate and was supposed to meet his fiance and sign papers involving a divorce. And this was in Turkey. And apparently he went in and never came back out. Uh, they're, 
reports are saying that he was murdered and dismembered and taken out of the consulate and Saudi Arabia is obviously denying this happening. The Turkish government is saying it did happen and the rest of the world is questioning any relationships with the Saudi Arabia government. People like Richard Branson of Virgin uh, Enterprises Mobile Music, whatever he all owns, has uh, put a stop to his business relationships with the Saudi government. Uh, I guess the biggest thing right now is the fact that with WWE, they have just issued a statement saying they're monitoring the situation because they have a lot to lose if they pull out, I guess, of this deal. They'd probably get sued for a lot of money, even more than probably what the prince has even paid them. Um, at the same time, nothing's been proven yet whether it did or did not happen. More than likely, it did, but until it can be proven, WD really doesn't have any grounds to pull out of their event other than speculation, and unless that's enough to pull out of a deal with that much money on the line, I don't know if it's going to be possible for WD to do so, at least unless there's a moral clause as well. There's a number of journalists like Dave Meltzer and... Wade Keller and Court Bauer are all pleading with WD to, you know, do the right thing, at least in the U.S. public eyes, of pulling out of the deal. And a number of wrestlers outside of WD have expressed that as well, including Gail Kim. I don't know if it's possible to do so. And... Yeah, I guess I kind of agree in a way with the wait and see because, you know, did it happen, didn't happen. One can say, yes, it did, but without proof, who knows? What do you think WD should do? Should they go ahead with this event still, even though it hasn't been proven? Should they save face and drop out, pay whatever fine or lawsuit might occur to them for breaking this deal what are your thoughts should it happen november 2nd or not send me your uh input at our facebook page scumbags wrestling scumbags wrestling podcast page or email me at scumbags wrestling at gmail.com over the next couple of weeks we'll have to wait and see what will happen if the WD does succumb to pressure and pull out, more than likely, events like the Shawn Michaels return and the Universal Championship match and the Daniel Bryan-AJ Styles match could easily be moved to Survivor Series later on in November. So the only thing that would be scrapped would probably be the World Cup, which then they could probably do something like that throughout Raw and SmackDown, or even make Survivor Series what the Crown Jewel event was supposed to be. So, send me your thoughts, and we'll see what happens over the next little while. And that concludes another episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. 
want to thank you for joining me. Once again, make sure you subscribe, like, and favor our podcast wherever you're hearing it, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes. And join us over on our Facebook pages, over on Twitter, or email us at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. We'll be making sure to stop by and say hello during the Canusa Classic all weekend during London Comic Con, October 26th, 27th, and 28th. Remember, the Canusa Classic happens on October 27th, and if you have tickets for London Comic Con, you're already guaranteed a general admission seat. But if you'd like to see it up close and personal, the first four rows are available at a special VIP package price. If there's anything you'd like to see added to their podcast or want to be a part of it yourself, send me a line. I'd love to have an extra person involved in this show. We hope to bring back the roundtable once everybody's schedules get a little bit more organized. Until next time, this has been Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. This is Sean, and we'll see you, or you'll hear us, next week. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. Are you looking to get your own Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirt or the Scumbags Podcast t-shirt? Well, look no further than our friends over at Twisted Tees at TwistedTeesMerch.com. Since their company launched in 2006, they've become one of the top screen printers known for their large, colorful, high detailed prints. Their theory behind what they decide to print is simple. It's about keeping it real and taking you back to your early years browsing through endless movies at your local video store only to be sucked in by the very intriguing cover art. Even if the movie itself wasn't so great, it's that original cover that will always remain locked inside your head. Over the years, they've become even more creative with introducing limited edition designs. With the amazing feedback they received from their Warriors and Zombies hoodies, as well as their button-up work shirts, they will bring you even more one-of-a-kind designs. All of their products are screen-printed and embroidered directly in their shop. They don't use any outside sources to produce their goods, nor do they use cheap iron-ons. They guarantee heads will turn when you wear Twisted Tees to your next outing. Twisted Tees also provides printing for Kill Effect, Shock Stock, Monsters of Schlock, Shadow uh, Windbrook, and Vagrancy Films. So look out for Twisted Tees online, once again, at TwistedTeesMerch.com and get your own Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirt for just $25. Thank <laughs> you.